Hear now this reading from the Epistle Letter of St. Paul to the Romans, chapter 7, verses 14 through 25. Listen now for a word from our Lord. And y'all settle in because this is heavy. (laughs) For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold into slavery under sin. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good, but in fact, it is no longer that I do it, but the sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer that I do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inmost self, but I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched person that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The word of God for the people of God. On July 2nd, 1982, a California truck driver named Larry Walters attached 45 weather balloons to a lawn chair and went for a ride. He'd been planning it for a very long time. You see, he wasn't able to get into the Air Force because of poor eyesight, so he came up with the weather balloon idea. And what did he take with him, you ask? A CB radio, sandwiches, beer, and a pellet gun. He figured that when he wanted to come down, he'd just shoot out a few of the balloons, right? Well, things did not unfold exactly as Larry envisioned. Um, He quickly rose to 16,000 feet, and he was so terrified, he didn't think he could shoot out any of the balloons because he could fall out of the lawn chair, so he just sort of drifted around for about 45 minutes, eventually drifting into restricted airspace around LAX, where he was spotted by at least two commercial airliners. After a while, he thought he really did need to shoot out some of the balloons or he'd never get down, so he did that. But rather than floating gently to the ground, he floated into some power lines and got all tangled up, causing a 20-minute blackout in a Long Beach neighborhood. I know you're going to be shocked by this, friends, but when Larry was finally able to get out of his lawn chair, he was arrested. Now, if we saw that in a movie, we'd probably laugh, right? We would laugh at that, but this was not a movie. This is a real person a grown man who thought it was a good idea to create a personal airship out of weather balloons in a lawn chair and go for a ride. Why did he do that? Have you ever asked that about other people and the things that they do? Why did they do that? Better yet, have you ever asked that question of yourself? Why did I do that? Why did I do that? 
Why did I eat that last piece of cake? Why did I cut off that person in traffic? Why did I blow up at my brother? Why did I buy those clothes that I do not need? Why was I late to that appointment? Why didn't I prepare better for that presentation? Why did I not sell that stock earlier? Why did I do that? Am I describing anyone in this room? I mean, besides me? Well, the Apostle Paul was like that. Writing to the Romans, he says, look, a lot of times I don't even understand myself. I mess things up even when I have the best of intentions. In fact, I often do the exact thing that I resolved not to do. Now, doesn't that ring true? We can resolve to be mistake or failure free and still mess things up. We think, I won't do that again. I learned my lesson. I'll be careful this time. Fool me once, all that stuff. And then we'll go and do the exact thing we said we would not do. Friends, why do we do that? Well, Paul gives it to us straight. He says that the problem, the root problem, lies with us. You see, Paul doesn't blame anyone or anything else for his behaviors. He says, the problem is my own sin. He owns it. He says, the problem It begins with me. Now, friends, many years ago, when I was in law school, I had a professor who used to joke about what he called the remove pizza from box principle. Bear with me here. So you know when you buy a frozen pizza and you look on the back at the directions and the very first one is often remove pizza from box? Have you ever wondered why that's there? Well, friends, it's because at one time or another, someone took a frozen pizza still in the box and put it into their oven, and it caught fire. So they sued the frozen pizza manufacturer, saying, it wasn't my fault. You should have warned me not to put a pizza still in the box into the oven. Hence, the universal remove pizza from box instruction. Another example, there's a very famous case about two men who tried to use a running lawnmower as a hedge trimmer by grabbing it down at the bottom near the blade. You see one on each side and then they sort of tried to even off the hedge. Well, one of the men lost a finger in the midst of this exercise and he sued the lawnmower manufacturer saying, it wasn't my fault. You should have warned me that I can't pick up a running lawnmower by the blade and use it as a makeshift hedge trimmer. Now, when we studied that case in law school, my torts professor looked out at the class and said, students, this is a classic remove pizza from box situation. Sound familiar? Do you see where I'm going here? Paul does not blame anyone or anything else for his sin. He owns it. He says the problem starts with me. 
And in fact, he says, there are times that I feel at war in my own mind. I think it's very powerful the way he expresses this. He writes, for I delight in the law of God in my inmost self, but I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Do you hear his desperation there? Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Friends, have you ever felt like that? Wretched? Because you keep repeating behaviors that you don't want to repeat? Have you ever felt at war in your own mind? I wondered how you could make that stop, be free of that. Get off of this hamster wheel of repetition. Have you ever really longed to be free of that? There's an old story about a man who stole things all the time. That was his problem. He stole from everybody in his life, his friends, his family, strangers, and as you can imagine, he paid a very big price for this. He got in a lot of trouble, and it ruined a lot of his relationships. People close to him who loved him and knew he did this begged him to get help. Well, finally, he did get the number of a psychiatrist, and he went regularly for counseling for several months, but then... At the next family gathering, he got caught stealing again, taking a wallet from a relative's purse. And his wife, who'd about had it by then, said, well, a lot of good this doctor is doing you. And he said, "Mm, I disagree. I think this doctor is doing me a lot of good. And she said, but you are still stealing things. And he said, yes, that's true, but I'm no longer embarrassed about it. (laughs) You see, friends, we all struggle with sin. We struggle with that war in our mind. We struggle with our tendency to do even the things that we promise ourselves and others that we won't do. And our culture will often tell us, you know the solution for that? You need a big dose of self-esteem. You just need somebody to help you feel better about yourself in the midst of that. But I think we know that that's just putting a band-aid on a wound, and what we really need is the healing that comes underneath. We don't need somebody to help us feel better about ourselves. What we really need is to actually be better people. And to be better people, well, Paul tells us, we need a savior one greater than us, that higher power that can make us over from the inside out, that can transform us by grace, can set us free from the law of sin and enable us to live lives that honor God. I'll close with this. There was a man named John Pridemore who was born into a very poor family in a small town outside of London John's childhood was not a good one. His family neglected and abused him and ultimately abandoned him altogether. 
By the time he was 13, John was stealing, and by 15, he was in juvenile detention. By 19, he was in real adult prison. When he was released, he connected with the with the mob, organized crime in the London area. And the reason he said he felt attracted to this group is he wanted to better his life, and they seemed to have everything that would bring him happiness. Money and nice clothes and nice cars and a nice apartment, respect. He said in that culture, it was all about being tough. The tougher you were, the more hardened you were, the more violent you were, the more feared you would be, which meant you would be more important in the organization. So John lived the whole lifestyle. He got high every day. He went through a series of superficial relationships with women. He engaged in violent acts of crime. And then things sort of came to a head for John Pridemore. He was at a bar one night and he got into an argument with a man, and he ended up beating him so severely, he thought he killed him. He didn't, but he thought he did. And Pridemore said the only reason he beat this man so badly is because there was a mob boss there that he wanted to impress. Well, thinking he had killed this man, he ran for it. He went out the back door of the bar and made his way back to his apartment. And then he sat on the floor there in the dark and waited for the police to come pick him up. Sitting there, this hardened criminal began to cry. He thought about his life. It was horrible. It was horrible. No matter what he did to try to make it better... Things were only getting worse. He felt like he was circling in the drain, you know. He knew that he needed help, but he could not imagine anyone that would want to help a person like him. Then he said for some reason, he thought about God, whom he knew very little about. And I think it's very powerful the way he puts this. John says that he felt this God he really didn't know calling to him in his heart. John Pridemore had never prayed a prayer in his entire life. But then he prayed the only one he could think of. Help me. Help me, God. Help me, God. Help me, God. He said over and over again, just help me. And he said in that moment, he experienced the first real sense of peace that he had ever known. That moment of vulnerability with God, where he owned it and wanted help, and asked for it, changed the trajectory of his life. Because you see, today, John Pridemore is a very well-known evangelist in Europe. Friends, we all ask, why did I do that? We all ask that. We all struggle with our brokenness, with our sin. We all struggle with this 
repetition of things that we wish we didn't do, all of us want off that hamster wheel. And I want you to know there's hope. When you're struggling with that, you're not stuck. And Paul shows us the way. You're looking for relief, for strength. Own it. Own it. We can't play the blame game. We've got to own it that it's our own sin. Then desire change. Truly desire it and commit to it. And finally ask for help from Christ. There is a reason he's called the Savior, you know. He will never let us down. And by his strength, we can be set free to live a life that honors God. Wretched man that I am, says Paul, who will set me free from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray. Loving God, we give you thanks for your infinite patience with us and for the grace you stand ready to pour into our hearts. Lord, give us the courage to acknowledge our sin, to ask for the help we need, and to live into the grace that you offer, that we may live lives that honor you. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Oh,